focus on things that you can control and set your intentions daily and the rest will fall into place. So instead of stressing about things or the future of things, just focus on taking daily steps and making decisions that reflect where you want to be. And then the rest will fall into, into place. Welcome to the Freedom Slay podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, entrepreneurs, and other passionate peeps come to fast track their success. If you're trying to make boss moves, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals, to create a life of time and financial freedom, all while doing the things that you love. So basically, it's like a mashup of Beyonce's songs, Mood Forever, Bigger, and I Was Here, Meeting Bon Jovi's It's My Life and Frank Sinatra's My Way, just in podcast form, because you'll be living life on your terms, making an impact, and bank, honey. I'm Gainette Jones, your host and freedom slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Welcome or welcome back to the Freedom Slay podcast. Today, we have a guest who has been on before, Akila Radford, who came on last summer. So in June 2020 is when the episode went live. We spoke a little before then, but at that time she was just about reaching her million dollar year. She was on track to hit that for her company, Mary Louise Cosmetics, which is a cosmetic company. She has lotions and face things, right? And it was just a really great episode. She talked about like branding and she talked about how she got media interested in her business and how she grew it from her dorm room. And it was just a lot of interesting things because she was 23 at the time of the episode. And I really loved that conversation with her. And I saw something on my timeline that said her business had gotten acquired. So I'm like, no, we need to bring you back on this episode. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. She talks, of course, about the acquisition and where her business is now and the things that led to that acquisition. But she also gives some really solid advice for all business owners and just passionate peeps, right? Because really, even if you're someone who, let's say you're a singer, you are still managing yourself. You still have to sell that product, which is your voice. So So I think you're going to get a lot of really great information of this episode. She even gets into things about TikTok, which had me super interested with how she's using TikTok to drive sales. So take a listen. I'm not going to get too much into this episode. I'm just going to let her talk about it. Okay, let's dive right in. Hey, hey, Akilah, welcome back. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. So Freedom Slayer, you're welcome, first of all. Freedom Slayers, as you would have heard in the intro of the episode, Akila has been on this podcast before a year and a half ago, actually, and she was on episode 43. And on that episode, she discussed pivoting through uh, during COVID, her process for building Media Connects, how she grew her company from her dorm room and so much more. So you can definitely go back and check that episode out. And she talked about how she was on track for her first million dollar year at the time. And she was 23 at the time of that episode. So, which was June, I think it was June 11th was that episode. But now Mm -hmm. she's gone into another really exciting direction. She has so many happenings that's come about in the last year and a half. So like the sale of her company, for instance, making her the youngest black person to have their business acquired. Did I miss anything, Akilah? (laughs) Like, can you on any bit, you know, where have you been since the last time we spoke? Let's start there. I think that COVID, I mean, for a lot of beauty founders, created such like a whirlwind of events. 
and pivoting for a lot of people. So I think it definitely happened to me too, where a lot of things were uncertain as far as like the business, where we wanted to take the business and like our, just our goals in general. But since we spoke last year, um, we've launched in retail for the first time, which is absolutely incredible. We launched um, with Macy's Vera Shop and 13 Loon and JCPenney with 13 Loon as well. Um, so super amazing things that I definitely was not expecting, but it's great that we now have that brand awareness and are reaching more customers and different audiences that we didn't think we would last year. We went through an entire rebrand, which was incredible. And I think it really helped our business appeal to our key um, or our target demographic Gen Zers. So I think that the brand really is solidifying its identity and leaving a footprint in the beauty space in several ways. So I'm really excited. That sounds like a whole lot of exciting things. So you went from just selling on your website and I believe at the time you were in like a store in California as well, correct? Like a smaller boutique store? Yeah, so now we're in a store. Mm-hmm. And now you're a major retail. So congrats. And did you say 13 Moon? Yes. Okay, cool. I've never heard of 13 Moon. Is that a retail company? It's founded by Nikeo Greco. She started 13 Moon, which is an inclusive beauty platform that it's 90% founders and brands of color and 10% brands that are allies. So it's an incredible platform. She's really pioneering the way for clean beauty through underrepresented founders and their partnership with JCPenney is pivotal and they are in, we're currently in 10 JCPenney stores through 13 Loon and plan to expand to 600 by the end of 2023. So 13 Loon is amazing and we're so happy to be part of that family. That sounds cool. So I've definitely written that down to check 13 Moon out afterwards, but that's exciting. And how many Macy's stores are you in? So we're currently online on Macy's and plan to be in stores in the next several months. So we're really excited about that partnership as well. Um, and Vera Shopper Online too. So I think what we're focusing on now is more retail partners for 2023 and really having a strong D2C arm as well as a retail arm. Mm-hmm. Love that. The whole omni-channel approach. That's what we're doing with Best Period. And you mentioned a rebrand so that you can connect more with your audience, which tends to be Gen Z. So what did that entail, the rebrand for Mary Louise Cosmetics? So the rebrand took, honestly, about a year. So I think right after I talked to you last, which was summer last year or beginning of summer last year to beginning of summer this year um, is when we officially launched everything was the first week of July. So that was definitely a huge undertaking, but it entailed designing color schemes, color palettes, figuring out what what size or shape of the containers match best for our our aesthetic. So it was super hands-on. I was involved in every step of the process. Um, We partnered with a great design team and digital marketing team to help us really bring that vision to life of making the brand as colorful as it is online to the actual physical product. So through yellows, purples, greens, oranges. I think it really gives more of an identity to Mary Louise and how we connect with our consumers in the future. 
Mm-hmm. And you had so many products because someone listening may say, oh, wow, why did it take a whole year? Well, one, it's the Thor rebrand, right? But in addition to that, Akila has skews upon skews upon skews. If you go on her website, you'll see all the products. So that is definitely a huge undertaking when you're looking at, like you said, changing the color palette, you're looking at the packaging and just redesigning everything. That's a lot. And would you say that that is the reason you, do you feel the rebrand was the reason you got the attention of an outside company? Or was this even before the rebrand brand began that the conversation about acquisition began? Was it the retail that created that awareness for the company? What would you say was that? So I think it was a combination of both of them. And to your point of what, when we spoke last time, I did have so many SKUs, but we definitely scaled back. And now we have our five hero products. So I think at one point we had, we were experimenting with soaps, body butters, a whole bunch of products, but I, I had to sit back and say to myself, what products are our hero SKUs and really represent the brand and give that brand identity that we need. It doesn't seem as cluttery, if that makes sense. So we decided to move forward with five SKUs, Miracle Serum, Turmeric Serum, Green Tea Facial Cleanser, Turmeric Honey Face Mask, and Mississippi Mud. Um, So I think those are really the products that make the brand what they are. And that those are the products that customers keep coming back and back for. So the conversation acquisition happened after the rebrand and after retail. So I think it was a combination of the brand growth, our positioning, our rebrand that made Mary Lee's very attractive for that situation to happen. So I know there's a saying, get ready so you don't have to get ready or stay ready so you don't have mm. to get ready. So I think it's one of those situations where uh, we were just in the right place at the right time because we had put in the time and the work to kind of reshape the brand to where we saw it to have the potential where it could really blossom. Mm, and interesting. And usually though, with the acquisitions and things, I've heard they could take months uh, up to a year plus for it to happen. So how did that happen? Were you working with a broker and already seeking that? Or was it someone that approached you and kind of blindsided you where you're like, oh crap, didn't even think about that, but let's consider it. Yeah. So we had been fundraising the beginning of this year. So January. And it was a super long process. I didn't think it would take as long as it did to fundraise. And I know, especially in skincare, it's such a saturated market that it can sometimes be a daunting task to get funding for a sector that's so saturated. Better for You Wellness approached me for the acquisition this year. So I definitely didn't think it would be an option at the time. But looking back now, I think it's the perfect decision to grow the brand and give Mary Louise a home where I know it'll thrive in the future. Mm -hmm. And what does that relationship look like between you and Better For You Wellness and Mary Louise Cosmetics? Are you still on board as like the CEO and overseeing things for a certain amount of years? Like what did those contract negotiations look like? So I will be the chief visionary officer, uh, meaning that I will take like the essence and really what Mary Louise is and translate that through our product development, our marketing, our branding, and kind of keep the mission of Mary Louise moving forward. Um, We still are wrapping up everything with the acquisition. So I can't say much about or disclose much about how long I will be in, in certain positions or moving forward, but the relationship is super symbiotic and we're definitely on the same page about my 
position in the company and wellness in general and where we see the wellness space moving forward in the future. So I think that's what makes it really easy is to have a partner. And I'm really grateful for this type of, to have partners that see my vision, trust my vision and value um, what I bring to the table. It's super symbiotic, super um, mutually beneficial. Loving this. Oh my goodness. I have so many questions. Like as I'm listening to you talk, <laughs> like, oh, this is great. So with them, like, did you consider others when they approached you? Did you say, okay, loving what you're saying, let me see if I can speak with others who may be interested, or were they the only like option for you to go and work with moving forward? What did that look like for you? I mean, throughout like the fundraising process throughout the entire year 2020, you do hear or, or have people that are interested in, in investing or acquiring or buying, whether that be the a whole company or, or partial of the company. But that I think I was too focused in Mary Louise. And, and you know, sometimes it's just like a gut feeling when, when you know, you know. So I think that this partnership and what they stand for and what they believed in just really matched with where I was as personally and as a founder and just running Mary Louise. So I think that really made me feel like it was the right decision moving forward. And at some point, I think as a founder, you have to do what's best for your business rather than just as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. um, and kind of separate yourself sometimes or separate yourself emotionally from your business and look at the greater good of your mission and really go back to why you started in the first place and how you want your business to serve others in the long run. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. I'm just loving this. And just it's crazy to me to see how far the business has come in such a short period of time. And I know through acquisitions, having spoken to many friends who've gone through the process, it's work. So what does that background look like? Because luckily for you, your business isn't like ridiculously old where you have to you know, crawl through statements from 10, 20 years ago, trying to figure out where that $5 went. But like, what does that background, the due diligence look like that side of things? Is it a huge headache? It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I think that like, to your point, we're not a super old business, but you also, and I think I would give this advice to many, like a lot of founders, if you do want to or if you're interested in acquisition, it's always good to have your ducks in a row, making sure everything is organized, whether it be physical or digital, and just making sure that you're prepared. Even if you aren't in the market for an acquisition, just having everything organized is always the best way to make sure everything you do is streamlined and simple as you can possibly make it. So I think that really will contribute to, I think all not even in skincare, just founders, everywhere in general, no matter what sector you're in, just always keeping everything up to date, organized, you know exactly where it is so you can access it. So I think I would give that advice to founders. Mm-hmm. 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 For those of you who are listening, who may be like, okay, due diligence, heard it, network really, like you don't have a super clear picture of what we're talking about right here. We're talking about not just like financial statements and things like that, but you're also super important knowing, you know, where all your dollars have been tracked. We're talking about taxes. We're talking about every single contract you've ever entered into. That means with third party contractors, designers, like it doesn't matter. They want to see it. Like there's so many other things. So it's important that you do keep what it is that you're doing organized at the moment. 
because the sooner you do it, the better. Um, and like Akila said, whether or not you're looking to get acquired, it's just great to have this information all in one place anyway, because you just never know what's going to happen or where your business may be in a year and a half, like Akila. So yeah, I love that. How many staff do you have now, Akila? It's me and two others. Um, and then over the years, I've experimented and, and used and dabbled in so many different independent contractors and from like website developers to manufacturers to cosmetic chemists. So it's over the years, it's felt like I've had so many people around me, but no, it's still a super, super lean, small team, but I'm really excited to be working with new people and that we all have the same vision and all want the same things. So I think that will be like a new journey and experience. And I'm really excited for that. And the two staff members that you have, what are their roles? Instagram marketing and then more of a customer service head. Okay, super important, especially with the huge following that Mary Louise has. Makes a lot of sense. And what about like your back end then? Like, are you still boxing things yourself or do you now have like a third party packer, a co-packer that's doing that for you? Like, how do you handle the demand? So we have a 3PL fulfillment center that we use in manufacture. Definitely grateful to be out of like the garage and dorm room packing mm-hmm. days. Those I think are super critical for where we are right now. And like I said, it feels like there's so many people always around me, which is great. Um, I'm always talking to people who are super supportive of us, whether that be like a mentor or our 3PL people at our 3PL or a manufacturer. So it also helps you feel not as alone if you're like a solo entrepreneur, solopreneur. For sure. I have a 3PL as well. So for those of you who are listening and you hear 3PL and you're like, what is this lingo? So it's a third party logistics center. So basically there are a bunch of 3PLs and they do pretty much the same thing, right? So what happens is they... Either the manufacturers could act as 3PLs, but usually it's separate companies. So your manufacturer would, let's say, send your pallets of product to this 3PL, which is the third-party logistics center, and they would, it links to your website. And if someone orders five, they'd send five. It also connects usually with something called EDI software, which allows you to connect with the bigger retailers and things like that. So you can link to their systems. It's a whole lot of backend. So knowing the side of like product business, I'm just curious. I'm like, what's all the happenings? Because someone sees from the outside, but they don't know all the things that are happening in the backend, you know, all the parties that are involved in helping a business run smoothly. So I'm glad you brought up, you know, that you are using a a 3PL because I think last time we talked, you were doing individual packing. That's awesome. Love to hear that. Yeah, I think that there's so many moving parts with any business and definitely there's a lot of moving parts in the beauty industry. And I don't think there's ever really a time where everything is running like a hundred percent smoothly. It feels like there's always something, Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely preparing and growing with your business and thinking ahead are great ways to make sure that things are running as smooth as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And when we spoke in 2020, I mean, the episode went live in June, but I feel like we spoke maybe April or May-ish. You know, COVID had just happened and all of that. But I'm curious from that time to now, like what challenges have you faced in the business? You were 23, I believe at the time. Are you 24 or 25 now? I'm 25 now. I turned 25 in August. 
I think that as far as the challenges that we face, they most likely have to do with our growth spurts, whether that be managing a sudden flurry of orders that are now coming in that we weren't expecting and now needing a 3PL or a different manufacturer or transitioning. I think just getting acclimated and going with the business can be challenges, even though they need to happen for your business and are great for your business. But I think just moving and and shaking and trying to provide the same level of care for your customers and your business while growing can be quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. So what advice then do you have for those who are starting to stretch at the moment, their businesses are beginning to expand and, you know, they're starting to feel that pull and it feels really difficult. What advice do you have for them? I would always say plan ahead, always have maybe two or three options of, let's say a fulfillment center or manufacturer that you're interested in using. Definitely talk around and and vet as many people and companies as you can before you partner with them. I think that would be like the best advice I could give. And always have a plan B when I mean plan B is if this doesn't work out, we can go to this manufacturer. Or if this fulfillment center doesn't work out, we have a place that we can go to fulfill orders if something happened. So at least thinking outside the box and always having a backup plan if something in the business goes wrong. That's brilliant advice. And it's, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's something that has crossed my mind. We do have backup plans for like some of the really big things. But as you said that, there's something that just clicked in my mind where my operations manager had mentioned it. I mean, now, geez, months ago. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll sort that out. But as you said that, I'm like, no, that's the nudge on the shoulder. Like sort this out because, you know, 2020 is coming really fast and things are going to be moving really fast for us then. So thank you for that. That spoke to me. Like I planned in advance, but didn't solidify the plan. So we definitely <laughs> need to sort that out. I hope, you, totally. I hope everyone listening to this is paying attention because that's really important information. So I know there are many service-based businesses as well as product-based business owners that listen to the podcast. So if you have a product-based business, we're talking about things like your fulfillment, right? Things like your manufacturer, who's creating it, speaking to other people and having that lined up. I know for me, one of the big like bottlenecks for the company when we get a lot produced, our manufacturer can produce so many menstrual cups, but the problem is the packing takes forever because they have less people doing the packing. So that was the thing I was just thinking about. I'm like, crap, we need to figure out that bottleneck because we started interviewing my um, ops manager, started looking at a bunch of others to like people that packed all the things. So my manufacturer can send it to them. But there's so many other things you have to think about. So if you have a service-based business, that may look like who's your backup designer? Who's your backup website hoster? Like whatever it is, just have that backup in the event that you never know that company could go belly up, hopefully not, but let's say they did, or, you know, they decided to pivot and change and not cover what it is that you do any longer. What is your plan for that? Just the other day, my 3PL, so my fulfillment center sent an email and they had mentioned that vaping products are no longer being sent from their fulfillment center. Like, absolutely not. Some federal law changed in one of the areas that they have a fulfillment center and it just stopped all of it. And they're like, yep, from this date, not happening. So I'm like, crap, I hope anybody who had vaping 
shipping products sorted that out in advance and you know kept abreast of what the laws were ha- what laws were happening in that time around that area so it's important that you do keep abreast keep your ear to the ground but also have that black backup plan so I'm glad you mentioned that Akila like I wrote it down because I'm like I need to talk to my office manager <laughs> to make sure we we tie the bow on that because honestly like 2020 like how your 2021 year is I just how fast you grew this year I feel like that's going to happen to us in 2020 not the acquisition but just like the big growth and the movement so definitely definitely something I'm trying to focus on. So thank you for that. Spoke a whole word to me. Of course. <laughs> and how did you know then? Because I saw your article. I found out about this through Beauty Independent. I follow Beauty Independent's page. I signed up for the subscription and everything. And I saw your article saying that you were the youngest BIPOC owner owned business that was acquired. So I was like, oh, that is really cool. Like it's interesting because you are young, right? How did you find out? And what was your reaction to that? I believe it was something that Better For You Wellness told me. Um, And then we were able to like confirm through different sources for accuracy. So it felt amazing. It felt incredible. And I mean, I feel like it's something that will help other generations of entrepreneurs of color overcome boundaries, whether it be through acquisitions or fundraising and make that process easier and those things more accessible to them. So it definitely feels like I'm doing my part as a female founder of color um, and kind of sending the elevator back down or, and passing the torch to others who want to do the same in the space. Mm-hmm. I'm loving all of this. Is there anything that you're maybe not scared of, but anything like that makes you a little nervous to think about as you begin to relinquish some of the control around the business? We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I don't think there's any, I think like every founder, no matter what stage of business you're in or what business deal that you want to, or you're in the middle of, I think at the end of the day, you want to make your supporters proud and your customers proud and people who have been with you since the very beginning, supporting your business and shopping with you. And the thing is, I feel very confident with my partners and with my new team And I think that the fact that we're on the same page about all of those things and have the same vision about the brand and wellness and the skincare space in the next four to five years really eliminates any of that anxiety and fear because you're with people who you trust. Mm -hmm. Super important. And last time we spoke, I know Pinterest played a really big part of your strategy for marketing, for promoting what it is that you had. Is it still like the big pillar for Mary Louise? It is not. We migrated over to TikTok. Um, Ooh, so TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so TikTok, TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, we'll follow you back. Is best period on TikTok. 
girl, they're there. We're there. Um, I have like five videos, but it's something that I'm Same. looking, but I'm looking to like really focus on it in the upcoming months for sure. Yes. And I think that TikTok is such a great place to market your brand and generate sales and create brand awareness. And now that you can connect it directly to Shopify and have the store on TikTok. Now our store is up on our TikTok, which just makes the buying process and the customer experience process just so seamless. So TikTok and Instagram is what we're really focusing on and definitely more video content. You can see that Instagram is really prioritizing and favoring video content more so than just still feeds. So as many tutorials, reels that we can think of, it's what we're going to be focusing on. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So I knew that TikTok had the business page, which is what I set up, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that you can now link it directly to Shopify. That's relatively new. I'm excited. So go to, if you go to your Shopify to the apps and download the TikTok app on Shopify and then just sign in with your TikTok credentials. It'll redirect you and you can upload your products to your TikTok page. So now there's a tab where all your products are on TikTok. Okay, guys, this episode is completely (laughs) selfish because I'm just getting all the information. I'm like, this is for me. Sorry. (laughs) No episodes for me. No, this is super helpful. I'm definitely going to check that out afterwards. It's really interesting because TikTok at one point, I'm like, okay, you can have the link. I think it's probably changed since, but the link in your bio had to come after a certain amount of likes or followers, but mm-hmm. it to the Shopify bypasses all of that. So what about like ads and ad spend? Are you doing ads on TikTok and Instagram or are you using your marketing dollars in a different way? Yeah, I think we're focusing more right now on TikTok ads. We just launched our first few TikTok ads actually in the last couple of weeks, which is actually super easy to do. And we just did it through Shopify. And I think it's a great way to grow the brand. We've already seen a return on our investment that we spent just from experimenting. So I think that's kind of sealed the deal as to where we're going to be focusing on as far as spending marketing dollars. Mm-hmm. Loving all of this. Akila, super grateful for you. <laughs> Did you have any other advice for those who may be listening and you know they feel the growth in their business? It is starting to grow and they feel maybe feel like they're at a place where it's a bit stagnant, like it has grown and they feel like they aren't going to grow much more than that. Like what advice do you have for that person? I would say to focus on things that you can control and set your intentions daily and the rest will fall into place. So instead of stressing about things or the future of things, just focus on taking daily steps and making decisions that reflect where you want to be. And then the rest will fall into into place. Love that. And what does a day look like for you when you wake up in the morning, like a typical day working, like what does that look like? Like, where do you focus your attention with you and your, you know, your two staff members? I wake up at around 6.30. I don't check my email anymore until after, or at like 10. I don't check it before 10 to like have time to myself um, and plan out the day, work out, eat, or at least have like some coffee or some tea and meditate and journal and kind of feel grounded before I like open my inbox and have like inbox anxiety. I mean, the days still vary. I could be... Zooms all day, or I could spend the entire day planning out 
things for or like our marketing calendar. I could be out in the field running, doing errands and visiting different people. So no day looks exactly alike, but I do think it's important to take time either in the evening or in the morning for yourself and kind of be grounded in that. And whether that's like writing down things you're thankful for, writing down things that are stressing you out, at least that part of the day is still the same. I think that's what keeps me focused. Mm, That is so interesting. I believe every single person I've had on here has had some sort of a morning ritual, right? Like something they do every morning. You said you don't check your emails. You know, you either work out, you eat, meditate, journal, do those things. You say you don't check your email. What about social media? Do you stay off of social media until 10 a.m. as well? I try to as well. I really try to stay off social media as well. You are a disciplined girl. I mean, if something is like blowing up my phone, I will check. But I do make sure that when I'm doing my morning routine, having my coffee, journaling, phone is like on do not disturb for Mm -hmm. at least a good hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, that's like super early, like five o'clock in the morning. So (laughs) by 10 o'clock, I've been on IG already a long time. Um, So no, I'm loving this. Thank you so much for hopping on and giving us more information about where you are now and how this even came about. And I know a big portion of this had to do with the groundwork you set long before the acquisition. So those of you that are listening, make sure if you have not to head back to episode 43 and listen to Akila's story. She was a med school student. She dropped out of med school to fulfill this dream. And I'm sure you're, how's your dad? Because we talked about him on the last episode. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's doing great. Super busy with work. Like amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on. There's one question I love to ask at the end of every single Freedom Slay podcast. And I'm curious to know if yours has changed. And that is, what does freedom mean to you? Freedom means setting your own terms and going from the beat of your own drum, really taking negative comments and criticism, not personally and with a grain of salt and still acknowledging them, but not internalizing them. and just fulfilling your own dreams at your own pace, I think is freedom. Mm, Interesting. And you mentioned negative comments and criticism just now. Is that something that you found you encounter more frequently now as the business is growing? Actually, no. Maybe I'm at a place right now where I don't even like acknowledge Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, a lot of, a lot of negativity or I'm in a place where I can like tune it out a lot better and only focus on positivity and positive comments. So I don't even, or I don't seek them out, if that makes sense. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. Loving all of this. And I think people can get the overall vibe of the conversation as well. And that is you're focused and grounded in what it is that you want to do. And you have your vision really clear for the business. And because of that, you've really, you know, had your business, the alignment for your business and where your goals are, are just one, they're one of the same, right? And I'm just really appreciative for you coming here and sharing that. And girl, love, love, love to see what you're doing. And at 25, you're killing it, slaying it. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be back here. Thank you for hopping on. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We didn't get 
to even discuss where you can find her, but that's fine because I'm going to tell you how you can find her now. So Akila is on Instagram at Akila Redford. That's A-K-I-L-A-H-R-E-L-E-F-O-R-D. And she's also, well, her business is on Instagram at Mary Louise Cosmetics, M-A-R-Y-L-O-U-I-S-E Cosmetics. She's also on TikTok at Mary Louise Cosmetics. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you take a screenshot and take us over on Instagram and we will chat next time. Bye-bye. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 